Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. Another on the road episode in another improvised studio. This is really a lot of fun. I've got three dogs around me. My son's Sheep-a-Doodle and what is the other one? A Golden Doodle. Beautiful dogs. And then Penny, my trusty Aussie Shepherd Blue Healer sitting or lying right next to me. Good girl. I received a couple of requests from uh, a couple of people this week. I promise to talk about their requests or their questions in this episode. I believe I can stitch the two together. When the Bible was written, and even before that, in other ancient belief systems, the Father was used because here on earth, the Father uh, was the head of the household, the head of the family. He was the one in control and who gave life by planting his seed into woman. So ancient writers used father, son, mother, symbolically. They referred to this strange unseen power as the father to show its prominence, its importance. Imagine some mystic 3,000 years ago trying to explain it in terms his friends would understand. You see, this power is like the ultimate father. It's the father. If I were writing, I don't know, the gospel according to Mike in the Feeling Twisty Bible, I'd definitely use terms I've picked up in my lifetime, this, this span of time, like references to sci-fi films and books by David Eddings and Stephen King and poems by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. So these ancient writers use terms that would be understood by the people of their time. That's why sex or reference to sexual organs uh, is used so much, and agricultural terms. The problem, or a misunderstanding, comes in when folks start taking the mystical truths as literal history. The Jews and Christians aren't the only ones who've done it over the centuries. It's when it's taken in a literal sense that control can be leveraged on people. You know, you must do it this way or suffer eternal wrath. Each religion has their own right way. And I've seen what we call miracles of all sorts, experienced by people of all religions and doctrines. So if one way is the right way, then how can we explain the miracles in every other way that isn't our way? <laughs> Get it? <laughs> when you look at the ancient writings on the psychological and spiritual levels, it's easier to see. A friend asked me about the religion he was taught. His religion was different than mine, but both of us were taught that there was a God up there who would punish us for our misdeeds. His religion isn't even allowed to say the name of God, but we're saying the name of God or the nature of God anytime we say, I am. God told Moses, and Moses, by the way, means to be born or to draw out, that its name is I am. He wasn't introducing himself. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm God. My name is I am. My first name is I, my last name is Am. The writer is telling me that my I amness, my awareness of being, is this God that I used to think was some outside punishing being. 
In the Old Testament, God is called El Shaddai, God Almighty. But then Moses, the state within me, finds the true nature of God on the mountain, and the mountain is within me. So by turning within, seeking the source of all things, in that state of Moses, I find the source is I am. There is only God, conscious of being me, of being you. And God, we, wrote the Bible and other beautiful ancient writings, well, all writings of all times, to remind us of who we are, leaving little breadcrumbs for us to follow in this discovery. Don't you love to discover things, work out puzzles, solve mysteries? It excites the mind. The Bible was written in the form of stories with hidden meanings throughout, little puzzles, mysteries throughout it. The Bible tells us so. I'm not just making this up. In Psalm 78, it gives a, a little summary of the Hebrew people. It starts with Jacob, then tells of the exodus from bondage in Egypt and ends with David, the shepherd of the people of humanity. But this isn't a literal history lesson. The first few verses in that chapter, 78 of the book of Psalms, tells us what it is. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. According to Strong's Concordance, the word translated as parable means a pithy maxim of metaphorical nature, a simile. The phrase dark saying means a puzzle, a riddle. The writer of that psalm is telling us to pay attention to the words he's saying, that what we're about to hear is a riddle, a puzzle, hidden in a parable. He's telling us that this is not a literal history, that these stories of Jacob and the bondage in Egypt and the Exodus and David, that hidden within it is a puzzle, a mystery to solve, and that the whole story is a parable. Paul tells us the same thing again in the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 4, he says the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, and their two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, is an allegory. In verse 24, he says, now this is an allegory. <laughs> These women are two covenants, and three major religions are based on Abraham and this story. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and all three have taken it literally. Even though the Bible tells us it's an allegory, that within this seemingly literal history of mankind are puzzles, riddles hidden in the form of allegories and parables. I was talking to a family member recently about that verse in Galatians. He's very religious, and uh, just like I was, just like I was raised. And I mentioned that Paul says that the whole story of Abraham giving birth to Ishmael and Isaac is an allegory. Uh, he said, well, we'll need to pull out the concordance and look up the actual meaning of the word allegory. Well, in this case, the word allegory comes from the Greek word allegorio. It is allegory. That's what it means. I hope what I've said so far helps my friend who is still assuming the religion he was taught has a hold on him. It doesn't, not really. Nothing can hold back God. 
someone who follows my YouTube channel asked that I talk about limiting beliefs. This fits in with that request as well. Beliefs in a punishing God, beliefs in outside influences, promises of heaven and threats of hell, belief in limiting beliefs all come from your state of consciousness. You, your true self, is currently conscious of being in a state with a restrictive, condemning religion. Your God imagining that. Your consciousness, conscious of being Sam or Julie or Mike or Ali, even the thing you have thought was you is only a state imagined. I see a lot of posts by so-called experts who talk about how hard it is to reprogram and remove those limiting beliefs. I've talked to people who talk about their limiting beliefs as if there's some separate power controlling them. You are consciousness, imagination with a capital I, imagining your identity, your body, your world into existence. How can you have limits? I mean, real limits. As unconditioned awareness, you have every possibility within you unending potential. You are all things and no thing at the same time. Like in the creation story at the beginning of the Bible, the world was without form and void until God, consciousness, moved across the face of the waters. And waters is a euphemism for semen. It wasn't a planet that was covered with physical water. This is a story about what's going on within us. God imagined there was light, and there was light. God imagined itself to be Mike, and there was Mike. God imagined it was you, and look at you, there you are. What? Why the hell did I imagine up this body? <laughs> okay, back to limiting beliefs. Every state has its limits. Anytime I define a state, I give it scope and size. When I name something or judge something, I'm doing the same thing. But limits aren't bad. Limits are limits. I can choose to stay within my self-imposed limits, or I can expand beyond those limits by occupying a different state of consciousness. And when I tire of that state and its limits, I can expand beyond that one. Neville says we are at the limit of contraction in these bodily forms, getting knocked around by the facts of the world, by old-time religion, society, government, doctors, secondary causes, you name it. We believe in it, right? And then we start to expand and move past those old beliefs. And there's no end to expansion. That's so exciting. There's no end to it. No end to the expansion, expanding beyond and beyond. About 20 years ago, there was a popular little book in Christian circles. It was based on one verse in the Bible, 1 Chronicles 4.10, the prayer of Jabez. You may have heard of it. And in that verse, it says, Jabez called on Israel's God. If only you would greatly bless me and increase my territory. May your power go with me to keep me from trouble so as not to cause me pain. And God granted his request. Now remember, Israel means he will rule as God. That's you, that's me. And God is my I amness. So this man, 
turns to his imagination, his awareness of being, to expand his territory, to transcend the borders, the limits of the state he's in. And imagination, his true self, his dimensionally greater self, does just that and richly blesses him. I can move beyond any limitations by turning within and imagining I am already in that desired state of consciousness. I don't have to trouble myself with connecting with the vortex or measuring my frequency. I am the freaking vortex. <laughs> I don't have to be concerned with anything other than what I am imagining, what I am feeling to be true. This doesn't come into play only when I want to get something. My entire experience was first imagined. Me recording this episode was first imagined. You taking the action to listen to this episode was preceded by an imaginal act. And I bet you didn't even notice how easy that was. But that's how easy it really is. I want to hear from you. I love getting your stories and your questions. Find me on Facebook and Instagram and email me at feelingtwisty at gmail.com. I love you. This is Feeling Twisty.